0: I want to go to Genesis chapter 28 and I want to talk to you about God's time timetable his timing I want to remind you that in Ecclesiastes 3:11 he said he has made everything appropriate in his time one translation says he's made everything beautiful in his time and it's unmistakable God's level of beauty he is the most he's a personification of the description of beauty he's present to help In fact, praise, the Bible says, is comely to the upright. It's actually a beautifier. So you look 75 to 95% more beautiful than when you started singing praises. Just telling you, it's a beautifier. And the reason it's a beautifier is because God inhabits the praises of his people, and he connects with us on that basis, and he's present there. And in his presence, all kinds of wonderful things happen, and he is present. And that's why I missed physical church, because... I think it's to be a full contact atmosphere. It's not wise to forsake the assembling together as is the habit of some. And we're two or more uh, for a while, two but not over ten. We're gathered in his name. There he is in our midst. Hallelujah. So when he shows up, it's miraculous. When he shows up, it's beautiful. And he said eternity in our hearts. This is why I yearn for God and why I yearn for the Bible, why I yearn to pray, why I yearn to get people saved, why I yearn to fellowship with other believers, because of this quotient of eternity that he set in my heart. I don't just have finite uh, human existence in my heart. I have eternity in my heart. And because I have eternity in my heart, you have eternity in your heart. It motivates you and wires you into a different level. It brings you into an awareness of God's massiveness, of his scale of doing things, and of his timetable. He's made everything appropriate in its time, everything beautiful in his time. And uh, there's a time to speak, a time to be silent. There's a time for everything. There's a time for every purpose under heaven. This is our time. This is our moment. These are our events. This is our atmosphere that God embedded us in and immersed us in and is causing us to flourish in. And so we don't wince or cower. We don't longingly look for the future. We don't idealize the past. We live securely in our moment knowing that he makes everything appropriate in its time. These are our days. And we will make the most of our days. We'll make the most of our time because the days are evil. We don't need to talk a whole lot about that. We're aware of it. But yet, God is good. And, and it, even though heavens and earth there's a shaking. Hebrews chapter 12, he'll shake the heavens and the earth. This denotes the removal of all shakeable things. Yet in chapter 12, verse 28, it says, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. And then in Hebrews 13, 1, it says, let the love of the brethren continue. I walk by some folks I've known for so many years, over half my life, I get tears in my eyes. I love you guys. We need to let the love of the brethren continue, and that is the reason why we've come back together, and the reason we suspended attendance was in order to be respectful, and we're submitted. We're not subservient, but we are submitted. We do understand and respect authority lines, and in deference to other people's health, We are endeavoring to cooperate with and flow with what is necessary for us to flow with on those natural, practical levels. We're not defiant along those lines. But we refuse to quit. We refuse to shrink back. We refuse to uh, cower because God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And uh, I'm interested in this chapter. I wanted to set this as a presentation for you to get a foundation, and I want to talk to you about God's timing. There's a Greek word, kairos, and it was used by Hippocrates about 300 years before the New Testament, and it became a fascinating feature in Greek culture. So when the church came along, and the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, because the the Greek civilization had established itself throughout all of the then-known world, people began to understand the value and the the importance of timing, having good timing. With music, you have to have good timing. Hippocrates was involved with medicine. You had to have good timing with with taking care of of people's health. There's importance about timing. And so we are under the canopy of God, and he has appointed uh, his purposes. There is an appointed time in the purposes of God. And in fact, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, the word kairos, it says that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So there was a certain point where the Messiah came on the scene. There was a certain moment. It was in the fullness of the times that Christ died for the ungodly. Now There are two Greek words primarily, chronos, which is where we get chronology. But kairos is used 86 times in the Bible, And it is describing God's unfolding of his specific purposes. Such was the case in the Old Testament in the life of Jacob. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Man, I could sense the anointing on this. Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. Verse 10, chapter 28 of Genesis. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. Now, this stone was actually the first My Pillow prototype. <laughs> Just wanted you to write that down. That's in the Greek there. So here's a person who is this? Jacob. Who is he the son of? Isaac. Who's Isaac the son of? Abraham. So, this is a chronology of the people of God. And this is a collision course with a key destiny point, a key purpose moment. And it was a certain place, a certain time, and a certain person. And the sun had set. And I want to speak to you about this. God often speaks in the context of rest. God often speaks in the context when the sun seems to set, when it, we get quiet. In the ancient world, there was no television or radio so when, and no incandescent lights, and they have little fires, but then they usually would follow the, the rhythms of their lives, and they'd go to sleep. And this was a moment where God could speak to this man of God. He had a dream, verse 12. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. This is profound. This is a holy moment. God has promised things through Abraham and then consecutively through Isaac. And now here is Jacob. Here lies Jacob with a stone as a pillow laying on the soil that would become the very promised land that we would see so many stories unfold with. Joshua and Caleb and Moses and the people of God and what a parallel for us as believers to understand that as God speaks to individuals in the ancient times of scripture, we know his voice and the voice of a stranger we will not follow. We know we can have assurance that he is the master of time and that our times are in his hands. The way of a man is not in a man nor is it in a man to direct his steps but the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. I don't believe it's a coincidence we're here right now. I don't believe that this is an awkward moment. I believe this is a holy moment. This is our time. This doesn't take God by surprise. And here we are as his people, and we have become acclimated to walk by faith and not by sight. We have become acclimated. We have been preparing for this our whole Christian lives. We can do this thing because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And in this amazing Old Testament story, We see the faithfulness of God consecutively through Abraham and then through Isaac and then through Jacob. And I want to tell you, I I listened to a minister on TV and he was talking about planting uh, shade trees. And he had a Southern voice and he said, he was selling his book and he said, this is going to be your favorite book. (laughs) And I thought, well, that's good salesmanship, you know. But he said this, he said, he benefited from other people's planting of shade trees. He benefited from people's prayer. Have you benefited from other people's prayer? We have. Whether you know it or not, we are the benefactors of other people's efforts. And in fact, the Bible says, we'll reap where we didn't sow. And the sower and the reaper will rejoice together. So this gives me a sense of purpose from antiquity and from history and the heritage I've inherited and a responsibility to the people who have gone before me. That things weren't completely fulfilled in their lifespan. And while we're alive... We're going to trust God similarly to what happened here with Jacob where the Lord gave him a definitive word during a time of rest and a ladder was set up between heaven and earth and angels were ascending and descending. But the best part of it, I think, was God himself. He said, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give it. To you and to your descendants personal assurance that this in fact was God and this is in fact our moment here that as we're reading about this miracle story and this 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 thing that literally happened in the life of Jacob that brought assurance and brought clarity this was a turning point things were vague up to this point Things weren't exactly clarified up to this point, but great clarity began to come in this amazing uh, visitation from God. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth. Let me tell you, this man said, you may not be a legend, but you could provide a legacy. And I believe we are in a moment where there will be legendary things the Lord is about to do in the earth, and there will also be things that will linger after we're gone. And this is our moment in this continuum of obedience and this life of faith. And I believe we're going to see uh, very significant things transpire. God's doing a work. He's doing a work in me. He's doing a work in you. I suggest he's doing a work in the nations. And I believe we'll see the salvation of the Lord. He said, I am with you. He said, look, your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This is talking about the Jewish people. And in fact, and in very fact, Jesus even said to the Samaritan woman in John 4, salvation comes through the Jews. So in very fact, the Bible, the law and the prophets, and the Messiah himself, came through this people group just as it was told here. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. That is an anchoring, settling truth that it reoccurs over and over again in the Old and New Testament. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you and I will in no way cast you out. I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. I'm with you in high times. I'm with you in hard times. I'm with you when you're in trouble. I'm with you when you're in abundance. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So Jacob has this dream. Oh, I wish I had a dream with a ladder. Oh, I wish I had a burning bush. No, you don't. That was for Moses. This was for Jacob. But God, be assured of this, has grand things scaled into your life as an individual, and into our lives as a collective body, and into the world as we see it right now. God's, what did I start out with? He makes everything appropriate and beautiful in its time. And I used to be upset when I heard ministers say this. God's the God of the last minute. I used to hear that and it used to bother me because I got a revelation on how God is the God of perfect timing. Come on. He's the God of perfect timing. He wanted you to be this age, at this moment, in this generation, in this hour, to provide certain things to contribute to the body. He wanted you to be the person that knows how to voice your faith, how to pray through your mask, how to pray on your knees, how to pray when you lay down on your my pillow, just like he laid on his stone. Now get this, Jacob awoke from the sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. God's in the midst of us. We often don't recognize it. He often operates in extreme subtlety, doesn't he? But I'm telling you, he does not hide things from us, he hides things for us. And if we seek, we find. If we knock, the door will be open. And if we ask, we shall receive. Hallelujah. And that is a that is a distinct doctrinal distinctive of this house. We believe we receive when we pray. We believe we have a Father who is responsive and who loves us with an everlasting love. And His promises are yes and amen. And He watches over His Word to perform it. And strong is He who carries out His Word. And He has a plan. And He has purposes. And He has timing. And He has enough anointing to impart into us. And if we'll listen to Him and we'll yield to Him and stay repentant and not hinder the anointing, we will see the salvation of the Lord in our generation. Yes. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you for that, Lord. So he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? I want to tell you about the fear of the Lord. In the early church, they had a sense of awe. Now there's a, there's a word, awesome. <laughs> Have you heard it? It has been used quite a bit the last 20 years. It is, I mean, that's an awesome car, that's an awesome t-shirt, you know. But really, this awe was what the church was struck with in the early church. This is what happened to Jacob. He was struck with awe. Now, the word awesome, there's another word, awful. And that has the same root. And um, a lot of people are confused about the fear of the Lord. You know, what is it? Well, when we're flowing in obedience with God, and, and, and the fear of the Lord, but we have peace with him, it's awesome. When you and I get out of touch with things and lapse into the flesh or disobey God, you know, the Bible says it's a terrible terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's awful. And there's a conviction and a correction. So actually, that, that both are very, very healthy. In fact, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. So teach us the fear of the Lord in reverence and in honor, what it does not mean is paranoia and never, you know, acting like you don't know what God's gonna do and that somehow He's irritable and unpredictable. No, because His mercy actually triumphs over judgment. And so, even when we're in a season of judgment, we can trust God's mercy to suspend and to sustain and to help and to heal. Hallelujah. Because don't forget that verse mercy triumphs over judgment. But it is good and it is important and, in fact, imperative that we have this attitude of awe. The early church was struck with a sense of awe. And that will return upon the church, and that will return upon the earth, and it's on, us, it's on us now. And he said, "This how awesome is this place. This is what's interesting for me here. You know, Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran and came to a certain place. There are regional anointings. That's a terminology I'll just throw out to you. God will do strategic things in strategic times and in strategic locations. Every place on which the sole of your feet go, God will give you that land. You're, in fact, a carrier of the presence of God, so I hope you can understand the portable aspect of the presence of the Lord as you go out as an ambassador for Christ, as a living epistle, as signs and wonders follow you, right? And I hope you've understood that the last four months, away from consistent church fellowship in in an assembly environment, in a brick-and-mortar environment, that you, in fact, are the church. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The gates of hell cannot prevail against you, us, or it. Jesus said, I'll build my church upon this solid rock. And when everything else shakes, remember we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And as we stand, having done all to stand, We stand. Well, look at this marvelous point of this chapter because it says, this is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. He said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. A window is opened up. Remember in Malachi about tithing and giving. He said, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you cannot contain. There are scriptural promises about he'll fill up your barns. One time my brother was praying and he said, I don't even own barns, but God will fill up my barns anyway. And meaning that God is going to fill up and meet every need of yours according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He is our provision. He is our provider. So Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on its top. He called the name of that place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, this is dedication, this is commitment. If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. Wow. He makes a dedication. Lord, I've had an encounter with you. I've got the word of the Lord. I'm getting divine directives and now God I need you to take care of me, which we know he did and does and will. And he said I want to walk and can walk this out in commitment. Thankfully, Abraham did, Isaac did, Jacob did in faithfulness and there was a tremendous result. You can look at this now and then Look in this moment. All these things that were written in earlier times were written for our instruction so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. God was faithful. Let me ask you, I'm going to do a test here. You haven't had this in a while, so this is an open book test, but did God speak to Jacob here? It's not a trick question. Did God speak to Jacob here? Did God, after the angels came up and down the, the ladder, did God stand over him and assure him that he would give him the land and his, de- and his descendants. So this is a very specific word, is it not, for, for the Jewish people, for Jacob, who is Israel, right? As it goes with them, so it goes with us. In this hour, the Lord continues to lead his people. He continues to break open doors that no man can shut. He continues to answer prayer. He continues, because God is faithful to a thousand generations. And that God is our God. And we, in order to follow the patterns of correct biblical interpretation, must recognize the context it's written in, who it was written to, and not manipulate that. But yet, we see specific pattern here, and we, in fact, see it repeated again and again throughout the New Testament. I thought about Paul the Apostle. When he didn't know what to do, he was trying to go into Asia And he was having a lot of trouble in Asia. He was burdened excessively beyond his own strength. And he went into a sleep similar to Jacob. And a a vision of a man of Macedonia prompted him. And he got up and he went to, to this area and had a great result. And in fact, it was the turning point of Western civilization. And it came out of a difficult context. This was the turning point for the Jewish people. And it came out of an obscure, difficult context. And I suggest to you right now, lift up your eyes. God set up a ladder between us and him and actually sent Jesus. He plowed through the darkness and brought out his extended hand and redeemed our lives from the pit. And then he sent his Holy Spirit and gave us a new covenant inaugurated on Better Promises. This was a fantastic covenant with great promises, but we actually have a new covenant inaugurated and enacted on better promises. We're in a very, very secure position. We are in in a law of abundance. We are in a scope where the Holy Spirit is poured out, not just on a few, but on all flesh. We have been given the life-changing, life-giving word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we, in fact, are sons and daughters of the end times. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. And we're learning what Israel should do. We're we're, we're like the sons of Issachar who understand the times and understand the kairos moments of what God is bringing. In the fullness of the times, he brought forth Jesus. In the fullness of the times, he brought forth the Holy Spirit. In the fullness of the times, he displayed the epistles and presented those scriptures to us. In the fullness of the times, he's brought us together. He alerted you. He activated you. He brought forth his people with joy. His chosen with gladness. And there was not one feeble among their tribe. Hallelujah. Here we are. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let's take our place and let's take our stand. Here's what Jacob said, and I want to finish with this here. He said, uh, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey and I t- that I take... And will give me food to eat and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone, which I have set up as a pillar, will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So Jacob makes a covenant, makes a commitment, makes an agreement takes that my pillow, turns it into a pillar, turns it into Bethel, turns it into God's house, and it's a starting point of the miraculous and of the supernatural. Let's all stand up and stand in the promises of God right now. If you're at home watching this, listen, man, get your mask on and come to church. There are important things coming up in these upcoming days. This remainder of this year, is a, it's a season of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. The remainder of this year, this is a focus. We are in a focus started out with the word focus, and then, boy, did we get challenged. Persecution arises for the word's sake. Many distractions, many distractions, and yet we defer to God, and we pull our eyes away from these things, and we lift our eyes to him. Jacob had to go into his sleep because in that moment, there was a time where God could speak to him in that moment. Let's lift up our hands. Father, speak to your people. Speak to us, Lord. And help us to have ears to hear. We trust you, Lord, for the prophetic indications and the the supernatural directives that you have designated in this kairos customized specific hour. We break the power of the enemy over the nations. We come against evil forces in Jesus' name. We exert our confident faith in the delegated authority that you've given us in the name of your son Jesus Christ. We stand with our shields of faith. We come against every imagination, everything that would try to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. We pray the presence of the Lord would permeate. We pray the glory of God would permeate. We pray the knowledge of him will fill every place. We thank you the word of God is not imprisoned. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church and that you brought forth your chosen with joy, with gladness, and there was not one feeble among our tribe. As you took care of Jacob, you're taking care of these brothers and sisters today. As we pass through the eye of a needle and we lay aside that which is unnecessary, weights, encumbrances, and sin, we run with endurance that particular race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. As we go through the eye of the needle, we come out on the other side, alert. We come out on the other side, ready. We come out on the other side with a greater measure of preparedness. Lord, I thank you for preparing these, your people. Lord, I thank you for making us ready. Lord, I thank you that they are not uh, fearful. God has not given us a spirit of fear. The world needs people like this that are equipped uniquely like this with the power of the Holy Spirit with the word on their lips, with joy in their hearts, walking the love walk in the midst of trials, patient, kind, gentle. I pray the touch of the Holy Spirit on a magnificent level. I break the strategies of the devil over our households now. I come against the thief that comes to steal, kill and destroy now. I stand in faith and ask God that you would bring revelation and guidance to us on on an unparalleled level that we would see and we would know with a spirit of wisdom and revelation in a clear knowledge of you.